you know what time it is. Monday means Who Questions Monday. QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's your host, Vince. We have a great show for you today. We are going to start with the hiring of Hubert Davis at North Carolina. We're also going to have thoughts on the national championship game, and I'm going to give you the winner. We also have a new segment called Questionable Trades. Questionable Trades, right? You know what is what we're talking about right there. And then I have thoughts on UCLA and uh, Coach Mick Cronin and the job he's done there so far. So that is what the show is going to look like today. Couple of house cleaning notes for our audience. One, I believe we're going to a third pod. Um, that pod will probably air on Wednesdays. I will have more information towards the end of the week. I get with my team. I think what we're going to do in the middle of the week is we're going to have kind of a sports potpourri where we hit on everything. Um, football, baseball, basketball, wrestling. Yes, I love wrestling. WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, obviously NXT, and NWA, all of that. So... I'm thinking about bringing that aboard, um, but I'm going to talk with my team and see how logistically we can do it, and that is going to probably, we'll know more information on Friday's pod, so if you're hearing this and you don't listen to the Friday pod, you might want to listen to the beginning of Friday's pod just for that. Okay, if you're a basketball fan or what have you, or you're going, dang, he's going to talk about all sports? Oh, I want to get in on this. So keep that in mind. The other thing is get your submissions in for the no question about it person or entity of the week. We hit that on Friday. I usually do it at the end of the pod. Last Friday, I did it. Towards the start because of the fact because of the fact that the person who got nominated and we spotlighted is a Green Bay Backer fan and I wanted to make sure that Heather got her love so Heather was our no question about it person of the week listen to Friday's pod it's in there probably within the first twenty minutes or so and it's real simple. Hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network, on Instagram and Facebook, Question Point Pod Network. All right, now that we got all of that out the way, let's give you a little glimpse into what goes on at Casa de Question Point Pod Network or Casa de QP Sports Exchange, however you want to consume that. It was great. I built a couple of little... I guess nightstands or what have you, little drawers to kind of get some organization skills. So your boy was kind of handy over the weekend, which is great. I had a pretty good weekend. You know, I watched the games, I watched the UCLA game, which we're going to talk about more towards the end of the pod. So it was a real good weekend coming out of the weekend, very relaxed, always blessed. Just grateful to God for all the things that he's doing for me. 
So that's pretty much it on the home front. So you know what time it is, right? It's time to go ahead and get into this pod. So we're coming back with news that North Carolina basketball program promoted Hubert Davis to fill the head coaching vacancy left by Roy Williams. Hubert Davis is a North Carolina man through and through. He played 12 seasons in the NBA. His last year was in 2004. While it's very important to note the history that was made here with the hiring of Davis by UNC at Chapel Hill. It's also important to talk about this man's resume. Okay. So he spent 12 years in the NBA. Okay. He spent 10 years as an assistant coach alongside Coach Williams. Um, so as far as knowing the terrain, as far as recruiting, as far as knowing the ACC through and through, Hubert Davis is 100% qualified to handle this job. Um, I don't think you could ask for a better candidate when it comes to that. This is not talking about color. This is not talking about ex-player. This is just talking about the man. And anybody that you speak to about Hubert Davis, they talk about the man and how humble he is, how extremely bright he is. He was the glue to some Nick teams when he was playing. Um, a lot of people just respected him around the league. Um, I talked to about three or four people today in regards to Hubert Davis, and all you got were just stories about how good he was in the locker room, how galvanizing he was with his teammates. These are all of the superlatives that were used for Hubert Davis. And uh, I just wanted to bring those to you before we got into everything else. Um, the other thing that I'm going to say about this is what makes him uniquely qualified for this is that he spent four years at Chapel Hill. He was a player. He went to school from 1988 till... 1992 where he was under coach legendary coach Dean Smith I also got some reaction and I saved it till now but I got a little reaction from coach T honestly man the Hubert Davis uh, that's 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 what I predicted the Hubert Davis if it wasn't Hubert Davis I was thinking they might try to go with um, you know Lavelle Moulton but Hubert Davis was definitely a good selection I mean they needed to do, you know, to show people that a, a black a black guy could be a head coach at the University of North Carolina, I think it was a great move. So Coach T sides off on the Hubert Davis move. I go ahead and co-sign that move. It's just a situation of, yes, he is a black man. He is the first head coach, black head coach of the University of North Carolina basketball program. Um, so it is a historic day. I just want to get to a point where, that's not the lead. 
Hubert Davis is just qualified, period, end of story. There is no question about that. As far as maybe other people that could have been qualified for it, the one guy that I thought that was a, also an ideal candidate was Vanderbilt's head coach, Jerry Stackhouse, who followed after Hubert Davis in 1993, and his team won the title in 1993. He played for the Tar Heels until 1995. Stackhouse went on to have a stellar NBA career that spanned 18 years, okay? And he played for eight different NBA squads. He held assistant coach jobs in the NBA from 2015 to 2018. And then he took the head coaching position at Vanderbilt. So as far as him playing at North Carolina, having head coach experience, you know, that might have been a way to go as well. Um, I think the edge that went to Davis is knowing that he spent 10 years as an assistant coach to Rory Williams and having a intimate knowledge of that program would assist him and serve him well as he transitions to the head job. So for me, this is one of those deals where I'm very happy that Hubert Davis got this uh, got this opportunity. Um, you know, here at QP Sports Exchange, we are always going to push for social equality. You know, color, gender should not play a role in whether the person is qualified for the job or not. Okay, um, we are really on that situation. And I know sometimes that this is not what you want to hear when you come to a sports podcast. But when things are blatant like this, we got to go ahead and shed light on it. But as far as Hubert Davis being qualified and I am over the moon excited for his opportunity and you know what it is at North Carolina, recruit, recruit five stars, get that team to play well. You know you're going to have some one and dones on your team just because of the profile of your university and where they stand as a college blue blood basketball program. So Hubert Davis has a large job and huge shoes to fill Um Coming to the end of the Hall of Famer Roy Williams' career and now stepping into that role for him. But as far as he's not going to be a deer in the headlights type of guy. He's seen this program for 10 years. He was also a part of it as a player. He understands what North Carolina is. He understands the tradition in North Carolina 100%. And that man bleeds Carolina blue and white. So kudos to North Carolina for this day. Kudos to all black coaches everywhere. We got one hired. And I hope that this is just more to come as we proceed down the road. And I hope that there's a woman head coach either in the NBA ranks or the college ranks soon i think the day has come for that type of situation to happen 
I think we have a lot of women that are qualified to do the job. So I look forward to seeing more different types of faces on the sidelines. Hit me up at QPP Network on Twitter. Hit me up on Question Point Pod Network on Instagram and Facebook. Whether you agree or disagree, I want to hear from you. So we're going to move along and we're going to talk about the national championship game. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the game itself. I'm not going to get into what happened over the weekend. I'm just going to talk about this specific game. So here we are. We're literally an hour away from the national championship game. Who you got? Who do you got? Gonzaga, the overall number one seed. Baylor, another number one seed. I mean, this is a classic matchup between these two proud universities. Obviously, these are not your household names such as Duke, Kentucky, but these are really good programs with really good coaches, and it should be an exciting game tonight. Now, I'll tell you where I stand and where QP Sports Exchange is going to predict the winner, but uh, I'll give you some keys to the game. To me, the focus of tonight's matchup, honestly, is talent and skill. Who has it? Who has the most of it? And I'll tell you this. If you tell me that Vital of Baylor can control Kispert of Gonzaga, and you can tell me that the Baylor Bigs can hold down uh, Drew Timmy on the inside, I'll tell you that Baylor wins. Okay? But here's the problem. I think Gonzaga has too many guys. They just got too many guys that are skilled, that are forged by the fire, so to speak. I mean, here's the thing that people have to understand. All right? You have a Yayi who's a 6'5", 6'6", guard who can get his own shot. He is a tremendous defender. Um, he knows how to initiate offense for himself or for others. And then you have Nimhart, who gives you toughness on D, shot creation, and playmaking ability. And these are the fourth and fifth options on Gonzaga. Like, these dudes would be high-caliber players on other squads. So when they're the fourth and fifth option, to me... I have no choice, but I have a score of 88-82 Gonzaga. QQ Sports Exchange is pick predicting Gonzaga to win the national championship, complete the undefeated season, and have their name carved in history next to Indiana. Last time a team to do it was the Indiana Hoosiers back in 1976. That's a long time ago. Bobby Knight was the coach. And this is before he threw chairs and all of that. So that's our prediction here at QP Sports Exchange. The one thing that I will say about this is this. Is that I love Davion Mitchell. I love Jerry Butler. I think they are real, real, real nice. I think they can get funky fresh and free and hit J's. 
and get buckets. I believe they will both have pretty good careers in the NBA. When I'm looking at Jalen Suggs and I'm looking at Corey Kispert as two lottery picks on that squad, and I just can't go with the Baylor Bears. I'm sorry about that, Waco, Texas. I got love for you. I got love for the program. I love Coach Head Coach Drew. He's a good dude, and I think you guys are still on the rise. I just think it's Gonzaga's time. I think this is the right mix of uh, talent and team play and just very efficient basketball. So, Waco, Baylor, what do you think? I predicted against you. I got Gonzaga 88, Baylor 82. You can hit me up on QPP Network on Twitter, Question Point Pod Network on Instagram and Facebook. What we're going to do is we're going to head into a couple of a new segment, not one, two segments, one segment. And I'm really interested to get the feedback on this. So what we're going to do is take a quick break and we're going to come right back at you. Okay, we have a new segment here on QP Sports Exchange, and we're excited about it. And what we're calling it is questionable trade scenarios. So this is all stuff that I've dreamed up. This is stuff that I researched as far as salary cap implications. This is stuff that I researched in the sense of putting it in the trade machine to see if it works. Because you know I want to make sure we're accurate on the cap. That we're not just throwing out crazy trades without backup of the ESPN trade machine. Shouts out to the ESPN trade machine. Thank you for helping me do my work today. (laughs) So the premise of this trade is I looked at the 76ers and Philadelphia. I know that you guys are... Just loving your squad. You love Joel Embiid. But the question that I have is this, Sixer fans. Have we seen enough of the process to know that it might not work fully? Are are we now in agreement that Joel Embiid is the franchise player of that squad and Ben Simmons is the number two and could we do better at the number two spot. Okay. So this was the premise of the trade. And here's the thing. Philadelphia. I know you guys are loyal to your boys. I know you love Ben Simmons. I know you want to see how it looks in the playoffs. Against Brooklyn and what have you. But I'm here to tell you right now. You don't have enough. You just don't. And the only reason I say that is that you can't get an offensive explosion out of Ben Simmons. He's great defensively. 
He's a magician when it comes to passing and seeing the play as it develops a little bit quicker than everybody else. He's a fantastic ball handler and ball distributor. And he causes just nothing but chaos on the defensive end. But I'm here to tell you that I think that we can make your team better. And it only takes two trades and you're not losing a bunch of dudes. So here is the trades that I had for you guys to make your team better. And we'll talk about some of the aspects of the trade. So the first trade that I had is Philly trades Tobias Harris to Sacktown. Sacktown, I'm helping you out. Shouts out to the to the to the state capital of California, Sacramento. What's up? What's up, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom? What's up with you? Hope you're doing good. So, anyways, the trade is Tobias Harris to Sacktown for guard Buddy Hill. And forward, Marvin Bagley the third. I am sure that Marvin Bagley is a better version of Dwight Howard. Bagley is still on the rookie deal, so he's cheap. And he has some upside. He was the number two overall pick a couple years ago. Now, he's been injury prone. He hasn't been able to stay away from injury. But it's worth the gamble, especially if at some point, you understand that Ben Simmons is no longer going to be on your team. So Bagley would be a great replacement for Simmons in the sense of defense and shot blocking and providing some depth behind Joel Embiid. Now, if he gets an outside shot and he progresses in his game, all the better. But the reason why you're doing this trade is you're getting Buddy Hill back and the reason that you want Buddy Hill back in this trade is that you want a marksman. You want somebody who can shoot the basketball, create space for Joel Embiid, okay? That duo together, when you think of pick and roll or pick and pop action, sounds devastating. And it sounds that it would be a problem for anybody in the East to deal with. So that's the reasoning for the first trade. It gets you a six foot four guard because you're kind of small at the guard position right now. So Buddy Hill and Marvin Bagley would be going to Philadelphia and Sacktown, you get Tobias Harris. And I'll explain why Sacktown gets Tobias Harris. I always try to do trades that benefit both teams. The one thing that SAC needs is they need another reliable score. And it would be great if it came from the forward position. You know what I'm saying? So you have a situation where you get a switchable, reliable scoring option in Tobias Harris to match up with Harrison Barnes. And it frees up minutes for Tyrese Halliburton. So now you have a backcourt of De'Aaron Fox. Tyrese Halliburton, you have a front court of Tobias Harris and Harrison Barnes, and then whoever you stick at center. So if you can go get somebody in the draft, because I don't know if you'll be able to keep uh, the center that you have now because he's a free agent coming up at the end of the year, but those four would be a nice mix. And if you had just a, a 
just a good defensive center, somebody who just wants to block shots and gets rebounds, hey, if he can spread the floor, great. But those four guys together would be potent, and they would be looking at a playoff spot, I believe. I believe that if Sacramento had that, they'd be looking at a playoff spot. But we are not talking about Sacramento today. We're just kind of enhancing the trade for them as well. And this is how the GM would speak about his team. All right. So the second trade for the Philadelphia 76ers, and this is the one where let's rip the Band-Aid off as quickly as possible. So Philly would trade forward guard Ben Simmons to Portland. Now Portland would trade C.J. McCollum to New Orleans. And New Orleans would trade Brandon Ingram to Philly. Now, this this helps out every last team, and I'll break it down for you and how it all works. First and foremost, we start in Philadelphia. Philadelphia would get Brandon Ingram, okay? So, however you want to do your five is all right with me, but when you have thoughts of Embiid, Bagley the third, Ingram at the other forward, Hill, Hild, and either Curry or Maxi at your point guard. That's a nice little lineup. Now, you could go a little bit smaller. You could go Embiid at the center, Ingram at the four. Now you can move Thibel into the three spot with Hild and Curry. So you can get flexibility with your lineups. It would give you a reliable scorer next to Joel Embiid as far as Hield and Ingram. So I'm looking at that team and going, okay, that's a team that could give some problems in the playoffs to a lot of teams and give people the business. You got Embiid as a potential MVP candidate. You got Ingram, who's a 24-point scorer. You got Hield, who can fill it up, get buckets, and he could get microwavable hot. Buddy Hield has that 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 spurtability where 40 is always an option for him. Now, how the how this helps Portland is this: you have such a problem with centers getting hurt. Okay, you got Nurtrick hurt now. Zach Collins stays hurt. You can stick Ben Simmons at the five or the four, but you can use him as the big. And you would still have players. You know what I'm saying? Norman Powell is there. He could slide right into C.J. McCollum's spot. You still got Anthony Simons. You still got Najir Little. So you got guys. It's not like your cupboard is bare. I understand that you want to keep C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard together. But if you had the potential to get Ben Simmons, somebody would help you on defense help you with rebounds, help you organize the offense when Dame wasn't on the court or give Dame a break from handling the ball and he can just work off picks and screens and things of that nature. It makes the offense a little more dynamic. So that's the trade. This is your questionable trade scenario of the week. We're going to try to do this weekly if not weekly bi-weekly you know i want to make sure 
that the trades aren't insane. I want to make sure that I'm just not throwing up slop to you. These are trades that you can go back to your homies with. If you live in Sacktown, if you live in Philly, you know what I'm saying? If you live in Nolens, because you know I'm trying to help out my boy Zion because my wife loves Zion Williamson. She loves her some Zion Williamson. And she always loves to see him play. So just trying to help him out a little bit. But those are the trades. Now, we have one other little thing to get to before we get to our main thing that we're going to talk about today. And that is the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte has kind of started to scuffle a little bit. You know, they lost uh, LaMelo Ball uh, for the year with the wrist and thumb injury fracture. They now have lost Hayward, Gordon Hayward, for a little while. And, you know, they're starting to slide a little bit. Now, the thing with that is, is that this could be a blessing in disguise. Charlotte, you know I got a lot of love for you. You know that Coach T and I are boys. And you know that all I want to do is bring you nothing but positivity. So, here's the thing. Here is the bright side of this situation. If for some reason, because where Charlotte is... In the um, in the playoff scenario, they're still like fourth or fifth somewhere in there. You know what I'm saying? Let me just make sure where they are completely. So we're talking from a place of intelligence and not just complete and utter ignorance. So um, let's see where they are. They are now currently six. They are 25 and 24 as we speak as we're doing this podcast now. The thing about it is, is that where the Bulls are and where Indiana are, Indiana's like a couple games behind them, and the Bulls are like four games behind them right now. So I think they might not, they might still make the play, the playing game, but that still is a blessing in disguise because you might still end up getting a lottery pick, and if for some reason you end up being somewhere in that outside that 14 you get into that eight to six slot if you're charlotte it's a win for you so by losing Lamelo and by losing gordon hayward you might be able to pick up a valuable piece to that team and continue its ascension to relevancy right that's because that's what we want now I'll give you the opinion of Charlotte's own Coach T. Um, as far as Charlotte, without Hayward and Ball, I think that, yeah, they're kind of taking a dip off, man, just because they're missing so much firepower. Like, um, Hayward was having a great season, and, you know, it allowed other players like, you know, Terry Rozier and, you know, a few other guys to have great games in the midst of having these other guys that just was going off randomly. But now, you know, maybe we'll see Miles Bridges develop on another level. I don't know, but I don't see us. You know, we were in as high as fourth place, I believe, before Hayward got hurt. And so, I don't know, man. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to keep an eye on it. I still think we can make the playoffs, though. So, Coach T believes that the Charlotte Hornets could still make the playoffs. I think they're a playing team, and I don't think that's a bad scenario for that team whatsoever. So, Charlotte, keep your head up, okay? 
This is a heavy North Carolina podcast. I just realized that. So shouts out to Tobacco Road. Shouts out to Charlotte, which is like home for QP Sports Exchange. You know the vibe that Coach T and I have, and we're going to always continue to stick together, and it's good to have Coach T back on the program just like that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition, and we're going to get into what the key thing of this podcast is about, and that is my UCLA Bruins Yes, we took it on the chin a little bit against Gonzaga, but I have thoughts, and we'll be back in a minute. Westwood up to no good. How y'all doing out there? UCLA fans, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Because we about to talk about UCLA men's basketball. Hold on for one second. I got something for y'all. You know we got those air horns for UCLA, right? We still riding with UCLA. Okay, baby? All right. First and foremost, What we're going to talk about right now is we're going to congratulate the UCLA Bruins on the run that they had. Everybody's heard it already 1,500 million times, but I'm going to go ahead and say it one more. We were from the first four to the final four, and we gave Gonzaga all they wanted. Let's put it this way. Gonzaga got all the smoke. All of it. Shout out to the WWE's Street Profits. I see you out there, King Tess. You know what I'm saying? Street Profits, my boys. But Gonzaga got all the smoke. They really did. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Steven Jackson. And also, UCLA-owned Matt Barnes. Because their podcast, All the Smoke, is really, really dope. And I know y'all checking that out. Because if you listen to this podcast, I know you listen to all the smoke. Because you want that b-ball, and you want that real real, and you want that gutter. And that's what Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson give to you. Look at that. Look at me helping out Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes promoting a podcast, All the Smoke. You can get that on Spotify. You can get that on Apple. Just like you get QP Sports Exchange on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music. You you know you real big when you're on Amazon Music. You know what I'm saying, player? And that's how QP Sports Exchange podcast roll. All right. The first thing that I want to talk about is this. To the chancellor at UCLA 
into the athletic director at UCLA. It's time to sign Mick Cronin to an eight-year to ten-year extension, and we want that pretty much now. And this is just not bias off the wave of emotion of what he has just done in the tournament, okay? This is based on his track record. So here's the first thing that I want to say about um, Mick Cronin. He just did an incredible job, obviously. I mean, this is just an incredible coaching job by him and by his staff. But he's won at every stop. He has a 800... He has an 808 winning percentage at Murray State. He had a 680 winning percentage at Cincinnati. But if you take out his first two years, because they were, he was rebuilding the program, he was at 713 winning percentage at the University of Cincinnati. And then obviously the job that he's done here at UCLA. Coach Cronin has also been real busy with signing five-star recruits such as Long Beach Poly's own standout Peyton Watson. Shouts out to Peyton Watson. You know we both in the La La. We both in Strong Beach, California. Shouts out to you, player. And shouts out to Long Beach Poly. I'm right down the street from them. So I show them love every single day. You know what I'm saying? I live around a bunch of Long Beach Poly alumni. So I definitely got to pay homage to Long Beach Poly. Even though you still try to send a bunch of dudes to USC. You got to get that changed over to UCLA. You know how I feel about that. I'm going to be 8 clap all day long. But shouts out to Peyton Watson. Who's a 5 star recruit. That Coach Cronin has uh Got signed, and he will be within that program next year. Keep in mind that Mac ATN, who was signed for next for this upcoming season, already played, so he has his foot a little. He got a toe dipped into the water, dipped into what it's gonna take to be a UCLA Bruin. So you know that dude's gonna hit the weight room. You know he gonna work on his skills, and you know Cronin is gonna mold that young man into a rugged defender and he's going to have some offensive skill whether it's by the basket or facing up because he does have face-up ability so I'm looking forward to that and then the other person he picked up is a four-star recruit Bishop Gorman's combo guard Will McClendon this guy is a kind of a a Jalen Clark type of dude He's going to get real, real on that defensive end. Cronin is basically going to tell him to go get the ball. And he's going to go get it. And that's what Jalen Clark was told to do his freshman year. He gets to the lane. He's a slasher. He has to work on his three. But McClendon's a player. And he'll get time on the court this upcoming season, I believe. Because his defense ability, his ability to stay in front of his man, is something that Mick Cronin craves and wants out of his players that actually get burned on the court. You got to play some defense when you play for Mick Cronin. Now, also, Mick Cronin also poached, you know, our dude, the, just the, the tournament 
what would I want to call this player? He was the tournament surprise, but he was also the tournament standout. Johnny Juzang was also a transfer from Kentucky. So Cronin has done work when it comes to the recruiting situation. He's got his recruiting trail shoes on, even though he's probably been doing it by Zoom and social media. But he's getting his players. He's getting his guys. And that's all we can ask for as a UCLA fan or an alumni of the university. And he's brought a tremendous amount of excitement back to the program. There's a, a feel of hope and promise in the air. And the one thing about this UCLA team with Mick Cronin as a coach, you don't feel that they're soft. That's not a word that you use when it comes to a Mick Cronin coach team. They are not soft at all. This is not your Bruins of yesteryear who just get killed on the offensive glass because they were undersized and whatever. Mick Cronin has brought a toughness to that university. He's brought a toughness to that team. And kudos to the players. Kudos to the Cody Rileys of the world. Kudos to the David Singletons of the world. Kudos to the Jules Bernards of the world. Okay? Kudos to those guys who stayed the course, stayed with Coach Cronin when they could have left because this transfer portal thing is real. And it and the struggle in that transfer portal, that struggle is real. But kudos to those guys for staying with the program, seeing the vision that Mick Cronin had for them and the, and the program, and providing toughness and providing minutes to a team that was thin, thin on the bench. So those guys get all the credit in the world. Now, it's always been talked about, but we'll go ahead and highlight it again because we're trying to get Mick Cronin that 8- to 10-year contract extension. We want Mick Cronin here at QP Sports Exchange Podcast to get the bag. Coach Cronin, I'm not your agent, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, and I think that I'm qualified to speak on the things that I'm speaking on as far as your extension is concerned. So, we all know that he had struggles with the injuries. You know, we lost uh, Chris Smith, which was our returning leading scorer. He was an all-Pac-12 selection preseason, and he had buzz in the late to early the second round in the NBA going into last year. So that's a guy that they lost right off the bat. We can talk about the Dyshawn Nick situation. I think Cronin has spoke about that and articulated himself very well and what he thought that was and how that would have changed the team if Dyshawn Nix would have been the point guard or the backup point guard to Tiger Campbell. And then we lost Jalen Hill towards the end of the year for personal reasons. So that was a big that we depended on 
But what Coach Cronin just does is that he just adapts and he adjusts and he makes the lineups that make sense to him and provide them with the best opportunity to win. The other thing is that he did all this under the the cloud of COVID, which if you look at that team, they didn't have a lot of outbreaks. And I think when you have a coach like Mick Cronin, you kind of stay away from those things. The one thing that you will see about UCLA is that you'll hear things like heady. You'll hear, hear things like that's a well-coached team, discipline. You'll hear things like that's a that's a tough matchup. UCLA is a tough matchup because everybody knows that Mick Cronin values the basketball. Don't turn it over. Mick Cronin doesn't like layups for the the team that he's going up against. So no layups. Okay, everybody gets hands up. Sort of speak. And he doesn't like stupid shots. Okay. Mick Cronin believes that's a turnover in his mind. Now, the other thing that he is very, very animate about. You get into the passing lanes. Tip balls. Grabbing for loose balls. All the scrappy plays. That man is in on that. So Mick Cronin has really just returned this program back around. We were reeling after Steve Alford. That is much documented. Um, so, you know, I just want to get that man his contract. Eight years to ten years, UCLA. Do not let Mick Cronin Start looking around. Do the right thing and take care of that man. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the game that happened UCLA and Gonzaga. I have thoughts on that. <clears throat> that game, as far as offensive shot-making aspect, this was an incredible matchup. This was an incredible game. This was high-level, high-IQ high-intensity basketball. This is a game that we can all be really proud of. This is something that we can be talking about for weeks and weeks. If you're a UCLA fan, this is going to be one of those games that even though it was a loss and it was a gut-wrenching loss, I will not downplay that. But to see how the team responded to the best team in the country. Make no mistake about it. Gonzaga, we will give you props, Gonzaga. You are the number one team in the nation. There is no question about that. They got lottery picks on their squad, dog. And that's a that's a that's a done deal right there. That's a done data. But as far as Westwood is concerned. As far as UCLA fans are concerned, we got a lot to be proud of. We got also a glimpse into what the future holds for next year. And let me tell you a little bit about that. What you saw late in the year in the tourney, 
is you saw Cronin use Jaime Haquez Jr. or Johnny Juzang at the top of the key, initiating offense. That put Tiger Campbell in the corner, the short corner three. What you start to see is him attacking the rim and getting, you know, dump off dimes to the big as far as that's concerned because everybody would collapse on him. Or he started to shoot the three. Now, he didn't shoot it for a great percentage, but I am willing to bet money that Mick Cronin did that for a reason, and that is going to be a staple of the offense next year, and I believe that Tiger Campbell will shoot a lot better next year because I bet you you will see in that gym in Westwood, Tiger Campbell, just sitting in the corner for 500 to 1,000 shots, knocking down threes. That's going to be his offseason. His offseason is going to be strength and conditioning. You know, always work on the handle because you're a point guard. You know, you know, make sure you, you know, acquire a couple little more, maybe some ball handling tricks and skills. But his main work will be that short corner three. I believe that wholeheartedly. Because you saw that. You didn't see that in the in the first part of the year at all. That was not part of the UCLA offensive rotation. But when I saw that late in the year, and I saw it in the tournament, I said, Mick Cronin is setting the seeds for next year. He's already doing it. Because it was something they weren't doing early in the season. Go back and look at UCLA games early in the season. There was never a point where Tiger Campbell was standing in the corner waiting for the ball to get a shot up or attack the rim. Like fake the shot and attack the rim. That was not part of their offense. That only happened towards the end of the season and into the tournament. So look for that next year as well. Now, the growth of the players, as in Jaime Haquez Jr., Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, Jules Bernard, they all improved in play initiation, ball security, defense, and shot creation. If you remember back early in the year when the whole Chris Smith thing happened, Johnny Juzang wasn't dribbling a lot. He wasn't doing all this shimmy and all this, you know, I'm at the top of the key and I'm going to I'm going to stare you down and I'm going to give you a little shake, I'm going to give you a little shimmy or any of that. He was doing what he was doing at Kentucky, standing in the corner. But he showed a lot of facets to his game. Jules Bernard became a play initiator, a very good one, didn't turn the ball over a lot. The one thing that I'll say about Jules is that he just got to handle his emotions a little bit better, but I think that came with the, the amount of playing time he got this year because he wasn't getting yanked off the court because he was continuing to do the things on the defensive ends and handle those principles that Mick Cronin had instilled in him. So he stayed on the court a lot longer, and I was happy to see it. 
Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Johnny Juzang because he was the star of the tournament for UCLA. I think he was the star of the tournament, period, personally. I mean, Drew Timmy is probably going to win, like, the tournament MVP if they have that or whatever. But Johnny Juzang was right there. Um, his ability to stroke the three is ridiculous. He's got super range. He's got crazy range. And that little mid-range fadeaway jump shot that he has, that thing is so silky. It's so beautiful to watch. And he can get it off at any point because he's 6'6", 6'7", with a beautiful flowing mane of hair. That dude has model looks, and he has an assassin's heart, and he has a sniper's shot. That's a deadly combination for Johnny Juzang. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if he'll if he'll stay at Westwood. I don't know if this moved him up the draft boards enough. Obviously, within the next couple weeks, we will stay on that story, and we will see what the future holds for Johnny Juzang as far as staying with UCLA or going to the NBA draft. Now, I am going to take off my UCLA cap and I'm going to put on my Laker cap. Memo to Rob Palenka and your 23rd or 24th or 25th or 26th or 27th pick in the NBA draft. Rob Palenka, if you have the opportunity to get Johnny Juzang as a Laker, that is what you do. Usually I have a lot of confidence in Rob Palenka. I still have a lot of confidence in the job that he's doing as the custodian to the Laker franchise and just continuing its glory. But I am going to home and I am going to cape up for Johnny Juzang if he does decide to go into the draft, I would like the Lakers. I would like for the Lakers to pick Johnny Juzang. Okay, that is definitely selfish. That is definitely self-centric. As a Laker fan, I would love that, and I'm going to root for that until I find out that either Juzang is going back to UCLA. Or he's entering the draft. Which then I will talk about it at nauseum. The only other guy. That I want the Lakers to get. Is my boy. Josh Christopher. From Arizona State. That's my dude. I like that guy. I think he got tremendous skill. And I'm feeling him a lot. And I will have. Um. More breakdowns in the next episode of Who Questions Monday for that podcast. We'll start really focusing in on the draft and everything. I got a good guy that I can turn to, and uh, we spotlighted him on the last podcast, and uh, I hope to work with him some more down the line. So that is my my uh, appeal to the Lakers. If Johnny Juzang leaves, please go ahead and draft him. 
So I think um, Mick Cronin's ability to adjust the offense um, to fit the guys is a vastly underrated skill that he has. And that's the other thing that was a knock on him when he was coming from Cincinnati is that he was a defensive coach. He couldn't coach offense and US UCLA was going to be stuck in the fifties and they were going to run some kind of four corner offense and all this other kind of nonsense that dude can coach defense offense, whatever it is that you want him to coach that man can coach. All right. That dude had me fired up during his post-game uh, co- uh, interview. He had me choked up talking about he sits in Wooden's chair. He has to channel his inner Wooden. And he had to tell those guys that they were winners, which they were. He had to tell those guys to hold up their head high. Because they didn't do anything wrong. he They gave him everything they had. And he was not lying about that. They gave everything they had. And they gave us a remarkable season. And they gave us a remarkable run into the March Madness Tournament. And kudos to Coach McCronin. Kudos to the UCLA Men's Basketball Program. And kudos to the powers that be that hired Mick Cronin. Now you do the right thing and you sign Mick Cronin to that eight-year, 10-year extension. QP Sports Exchange Podcast will be waiting on that. QP Nation will be waiting on that, which also includes Bruins Nation will be waiting breathlessly on that contract extension. Ball is in your court, UCLA. Now, we going to give shots out to a couple guys on that team. Shots out to Johnny Juzang, our right player. His uh, IG is JSilky5. Follow that dude on IG. You know I do. That's my boy. Shots out to Tiger Campbell. Just being the floor general that you were this year, you got nothing to be ashamed of, young man. Thank you for your efforts. Thank you for being the custodian of the ball and taking care of it and not turning it over and doing the right thing for your squad. And his uh, IG handle is Tiger15. That's Tiger spelled T Y G E R. One five on Instagram, and then we gonna give shots out to our boy, the heart and soul of the UCLA Bruins, Jaime Hikes Jr. First of all, player, it was an honor and a privilege to watch you, your grit and your grind on loose balls, fifty-fifty balls, tapping balls out. For another guy to get the possession and move it down the court. Your timely shooting. You got in your bag with your isolation game. And you were making Drew Timmy look real, real crazy when you were driving on him. Your 
back down into the lane and get into the center of the lane and have that little fall away jump shot is awesome. So shots out to Jaime Haquez Jr. as well. You know QP Sports Exchange ride with all three of these guys, Juzang, Campbell, and Haquez Jr. And Haquez's Jr. Haquez Jr.'s IG account is this. It's triple J and triple is spelled with three P's. So it's T-R-I-P-P-P-L-E-J on IG. So shouts out to my guys. Shouts out to them in a big way. QP Sports Exchange is definitely going to have an eye on them because that's our squad. UCLA all day, A-Clap all day. And that's how we bring nothing but noise and heat to this program because we go home for the UCLA Bruins on a daily basis. Okay, with that, we're wrapping up the show. First and foremost, I just want to thank all the listeners out there. Man, you guys have been tremendous with your response to downloading the the podcast. And um, I just want to shout y'all out. I just want to give y'all just a big hug and just shout y'all out because, man, this means a lot to me. I'm glad that I'm able to do it for you, and then you can give it to others so then we can build this community. Keep in mind that Twitter and IG and Facebook handle, again, is QPP Network on Twitter and Question Point Pod Network on IG and Facebook. And with that said, be good to yourself. Take care of your mental. Take care of your physical so you can go ahead and impact others in a positive way. That leads me to my next thing. Take care of your neighbors. Give them a hand. Lend them an ear, a shoulder to cry on. It just, let's go ahead and galvanize our community. And then the third thing is this. If you have a worthwhile organization around you that's helping out the less fortunate, that's helping out people who are really, really struggling, because our prayers are with everyone. Everyone who can hear this podcast. If you're struggling out there, let me tell you something. I pray for you every day. 100%. If the sun rises, you know I'm praying for you. Every day that ends in Y, I'm praying for you. So if we can help out organizations that are helping out the less fortunate, whether with our time by volunteering or with our dollars, please find one and do so. Even if it's a little bit, I don't care if it's $10, $20, $100, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you can give, it will help your heart for sure. And uh, you're also helping out people who are less fortunate than you. And that's always a good thing because we we only got this one life. You know what I'm saying? We only got it. And I just hope that it is extraordinary for everyone who can hear my voice on this podcast. So with that being said, you know what we do on a Monday. We bounce. All right. But I want y'all to have a good week. And we coming back on Friday for Football Friday. And know that your boy is bouncing.